0: Thanks for listening to the Tribe Church Podcast. Our prayer is that these episodes bless and equip you in your apprenticeship to Jesus. Our goal as a community is to become more like Jesus and to offer him through our lives to those around us here in Austin, Texas. More like Jesus, more for others. For more on our church, check out atxtribe.org. God bless. All right. So today we are finishing up our our series called Reconstructing Faith and it's honestly been one of my favorite ones because uh, I felt like the spirit moved and we saw just the different variations of how we are uh, always sort of reconstructing, you know, deconstructing and reconstructing our faith. We're always questioning. That's normal and human and there are sort of mini reconstructions like, you know, like home improvements that we do. And then sometimes we just do an overhaul, right? And sometimes you need a do-over. And uh, some of us are in a, in a phase of, we just built something amazing, and I'm just riding the wave, right? And some of us are doing some mini reconstructions, which is probably a good thing, because you don't do enough of those and you need an overhaul every once in a while, right? Uh, some of us are in a, in a place of, I'm rethinking everything, I'm questioning everything. And that's totally fine as well. Now, this whole series was meant to equip you with tools to do that, to go about that, how to, what not to do, how not to think, what are things that you can explore, things that you can leverage, things that can transform you in your journey to live a fuller, more complete, um, a full life, just like Christ intended you to, to do. Um, and today, so, and we, we went all kinds of different directions, and it was amazing, actually. You know, I'm super grateful for how the Spirit worked here. Now, today, it's the last one, and today, my goal is to give you, like, one thing that you're not going to be able to forget, you know, because we're fickle individuals, like, you know, the, 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 most, uh, the most sort of ineffective job in the world is being a preacher, because by Monday night, people forget what you said on Sunday. Uh, well, I don't, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, I don't know. Yes, please, sympathy. <laughs> sympathy, that's what I'm seeking right now. Uh, but, but you know what? Every once in a while I mess with people. Like literally on Sunday. Hey, thanks for the sermon. Hey, what, what touched you about the sermon? <laughs> and you have that like, you know, <laughs> that panic, right? It's awesome, right? It's <laughs> I'm like, bro, don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, it's all right. I'll do a, g- a better job next time. Uh, but today I do have an ambition to sort of leave, leave you with something that will maybe last for more than a week, okay, uh, and maybe longer. Who knows? And uh, today, I, I have I have two kids leaving the house in the summer, so they're sitting here. So you get to ride on the wave of a of a passionate send off of a father to his kids. You know, like hyper focused on them. I'm looking at you the whole time. I'm not speaking to anybody else. Uh, Uh, Because they're about to go to college, I mean, one is in college already, but both of them are leaving the house. One of them is uh, going to college, second is going to go to second year of college. And they're in this phase where their faith will be attacked and questioned and poked in social pressure and uh, intellectually attacked as well. Um, so they're going to be definitely uh, reconstructing their faith in big ways or small ways. So this is for them, and it's, this is for you as well. I hope you enjoy it. So Matthew 7, 24 is sort of this text, and the, uh, the first text that's going to send us off. But the title of this message specifically, it's the Yeshua Blueprint for Success. The Yeshua, or actually I think, or, uh, I think it's pronounced Yeshua. Um, uh, a blueprint for success now if the word success gives you a little twitch you know like oh we're going to talk about success at church yes we are because it's in the text okay the word success is in the scriptures that we're going to read right uh and yeshua uh it's sort of a play on words geeking out me geeking out and yeshua is the name uh, that is translated anglicized as jesus and it's also anglicized as joshua so the two texts we're going to read are there to sort of bridge the connection between a certain transformative way of thinking about reconstructing faith that comes from Joshua all the way to Jesus and beyond, right? So both Jesus and Joshua think the same way about reconstructing faith. That's going to change your life if you pay attention. Are you ready to pay attention? Okay. Therefore, anyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Most of us who've read the Bible know the scripture. It's Jesus basically saying, "You just—it's not going to help you if you just listen and don't do." Right? It's—it's so uncomplicated, right? And Basically, what he's trying to express to us is that whatever we do in reconstructing our faith is more than an an intellectual endeavor. You don't have to, if you think about it, you can think about it to death and nothing's going to change, right? If you were to experience the promises of God, you need to act on the principles of God. That's exactly what he's saying, right? Now, we all know this is, it's one of those duh things. But humanity, as long as humanity has existed, has struggled with this concept. And we all do, right? We all do. It's a problem for all of us. And what we end up doing is we end up sort of wanting to reconstruct our faith and come back to church or, or rebuild our faith or we grew up in the church and we're coming back after years and years later or whatever. We're, you know, we're in sort of the desert or we're in this uh, you know, first love phase, whatever it is. But what th- these are some of the ways that you can tell, and this is something to just orient you maybe to help you um, determine where you are right now. So I'm going to give you a a short list of things how you know you're not actually building faith. Are you ready for that? Here's how you know. A bad interpretation of God's Word is an excuse to not follow the good interpretation of God's Word. Seems basic, but we do it all the time. You misinterpreted the Word of God, or somebody misinterpreted God, or all of you misinterpreted God, or you were part of a church who misinterpreted the Word of God, and that interpretation is bad, and you know it's bad, And that's the only thing keeping you from interpreting and doing the things that are good. Next one. Hurt from people in the past rationalizes your lack of devotion to people in the present. You hurt people, people hurt you, everybody hurts each other. And because of that, you're guarded, you guard your heart, you don't give your heart, you don't surrender to people. You don't trust people. And that's how you know if you're in that place and you don't leave that place, that's how you know you're not building anything. You're going to fail. Here's the next one failures in the past prevent you from daring greatly in the present you have the spiritual PTSD you've aspired greatly and you've suffered a great blow a great wound a great failure and because of that you're sort of attracted to church you like the social part of it maybe you'll be part of the club people are kind people are nice and you just don't dare because you're afraid to fail again right this next one present time comforts Here's a different one. Prevent you from making future time progress. You're too comfortable. Change and transformation requires discomfort, requires certain pain, requires risk-taking. And you're too comfortable, and you're preventing yourself from growing and making future time progress. Here's another one. Modern time culture causes you to dismiss timeless wisdom. Your culture pressures you to think a certain way. This is the w- you think you're original, and you're literally going with the crowd, quite literally. Right? Everybody's thinking that. This is the thing. This is the enlightened thing to think. Right? Moral values, whatever. And you, your modern culture prevents you from tapping into timeless truth in principles that, can, that are true, whether you like it or not, with every, it has survived cultures for 6,000 years. All kinds of cultures. All kinds of wars, crises. It's still here. And we're taken with away. We're like basically this spiritual um, uh, version of pop music. You know, what's culturally fashionable, that's what I'm going to think. And I'm going to think of, of myself as an enlightened being that way. right? It's not nan- the, pe- the narrow path, clearly. Here's another one. This is the last one. Future storms are not good enough reason for, presen- for present obedience. This is what Jesus is talking about in this f- in the first verse that we read. He's basically saying that if you do what he says, you're building a house on the rock, and a storm will come. The storm will come regardless. That's a promise. And you, your house will either stand or it will crumble. And, the, and you just don't believe we hope for the best, right? We go... It's going to be okay, right? Positive thinking. No, the storm will come. The question is, is the house going to stand or not? But, because of the f- uh, bec- but, but future storms are not good enough reason f- for us to leave our comfort zone and obey. Does that, sa- does that sound good? It's quiet, right? Why? Well, it's, conv- it's convicting because all of us fall into all of these things at different uh, t- uh, seasons in our life. But all building and rebuilding of faith comes down to this. Success in faith comes from the implementation of truth. Hear this. Success in faith comes from implementation of food, and failure of faith comes from lack of implementation of truth. That's what Jesus is talking about. Right? So, you know, uh, most of us come to, to the faith because of some sort of crisis. Uh, I, I know very few people who just evolved to a degree where like, I am now a Christian. Ah, you know. No, we're also, we'll come from pain into the faith. Most of us do, right? I did, uh, you, know, uh, you know, one of, I, I, I speak about this all the time, but I had all kinds of issues, actually, all kinds of crises, but my, the one that I felt the most was sort of this romantic relationship thing, like my parents were divorced, couldn't, couldn't keep a relationship together for, to save my life, right? It was horrible. Like, I was worse at it. I was, I was bad at many things, but this was like the worst thing for me. So for me, the first thing was to know the truth, because I, I didn't even have exposure to the truth. Let's so not like I was unfaithful to the truth. I had no idea what the truth was. Right? So I had to be exposed to the teaching of the Bible. And then I had to decide whether I'm going to obey this or not. And I didn't understand most of it. I'm like, I don't, this, this doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to try it because I've tried everything else. Right? And the best thing I did in my life is to, op- is to just practice what is being taught. That's pretty much it. right? Um, now, we're gonna unpack this and, and before, before I do go to the other Yeshua, which is Joshua, uh, I, I'm gonna sort of give you a little bit of a thing that, you probably already know, but uh, it's this concept of foreshadowing. Have you heard of it, co- foreshadowing in the Bible? And basically the foreshadowing is these is sort of people and events and things that happen that mirror each other and echo each other through the centuries and through the millennia, and they all point to the same thing, to the same God doing the same work in history, in the lives of His people so it's foreshadowing and you see it all over the bible and it's a beautiful beautiful thing when you once you get into the word of god you start seeing it pop up and it's just you know goosebumps right it's amazing stuff so for to give you a few examples like noah Uh, Noah, you know, in the ark, and he saved his people through the water. Moses, when when he led his people out of Egypt, he saved his people through the water. The seas parted, and Jesus came, and he saves us through the water of baptism. That's a foreshadowing sort of rhythm of things, and there's so much of that. For example, Israel is a nation set aside by God, and then with Jesus, the global church is a nation set aside for God. We're God's people, although we're not Jewish. And that's the foreshadowing, right? Um, the exodus, uh, which we're going to go to in, in a moment, is a liberation of God's people from slavery, physical slavery. And then Jesus and baptism is the liberation and the exodus of the slavery uh, of sin. So those are just amazing, amazing things. Promise, the promised land that, uh, that was given to, to Israel after the exodus uh, is... Is a, prom- is a physical promise, and we have also a spiritual promise as God's people, right? Kingdom of heaven. Um, so these are some of the things. So let's go to Joshua. Yeshua, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. And the, the context of the scripture is that Israel is, uh, has left Egypt, has almost entered the promised land until they didn't implement what God told them to do, Right? And they had to wander for 40 years in the desert until the whole generation died out. And then this, there's, this new, there's this new sort of go, right? It's, it's Exodus 2.0. And Joshua is about to enter and lead his people. And his, this is what it says Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land. And I'm about to give you. Um, give to them to the Israelites I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised to Moses Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river to Euphrates all the Hittite country To the Mediterranean Sea in the west. So this is a new generation. It's led by by Joshua By Yeshua um, And what, he, what God is saying here. This is I want you to really track what he, what's happening here What God is saying is that the promise has not changed But the people changed, they just didn't implement, right? God's promise, our implementation. So he's saying, okay, let's do this again, let's try this again, one more time. I have not changed just like I promised, here it is, the promised land, right? But you, here's how you go about it. Verses 5 and 6, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As you with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead this people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. The, the word, uh, the, the Hebrew word, I love this word, uh, and I've used it many times before, is chazak vimetz. Can you say chazak vimetz with me? Chazak vimetz. Chazak vimetz is be strong and courageous. And this word combination is really interesting because what, what he's saying here is that you your your strength is derived from your courage so these are connected words it's not two separate things your strength is derived from your courage so when you go about your faith you and i we go about our our faith our strength is also connected to the courage to this ability to stay stay um faithful to a certain journey a certain trajectory does that make sense now and then he repeats it again Joshua 1.7 uh, uh, 7, Be strong and courageous says this, uh, uh, One more time Be careful And then he says more Be careful to obey All the law My servant Moses gave you Do not turn from it To the right Or to the left That you may be successful Wherever you go Okay so Pay attention to what's happening here There's a promise That has been there Actually never changed And the people of Israel Decided not to pursue it a generation later, they try again. The promise is still the same. The faithfulness of God is still the same. And Joshua is given an instruction for success here. And here's the, here's the nuance. We live in a world, in, especially in America, in a culture where Christianity is not the main faith. The main faith is churchianity. <laughs> and churchianity is all about me. What God has in store for me are all the beautiful uh, songs that promise all kinds of stuff. The promised land. Whatever version of the promised land you and I have, right? So, for example, years ago, my promised land would be, hey, I just want to keep my friends and not antagonize people. And I want to find a wife and not antagonize her. That's my promised land, right? I want to find a husband. I want to find a wife. I want to stop being angry. I want to stop... Um, undermining my career, I want to stop drinking, I want to stop watching porn, I want to stop um, the the, the anxiety, I want to stop the depression, I want to thrive, I want to succeed, I want to make money, I want to progress professionally. Whatever version of the promised land is, we all have them. That is not, it doesn't mean you can't have it, of course you can have it. But the promise is connected to something else, it's not about the promise itself. And here's the difference in this scripture. When Joshua says, goes to the promise, God is not just saying, you'll have it all. He says that, and he says, this is how you get it. That's where the formula is. And this is how you get it. Be careful. Pay attention to this. Are you hearing? Are you tracking with me? To obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. He's not saying, be careful and invade. Be careful and just go boldly and feel things and you'll get it. You just believe it, and you can do it, right? I believe I can fly. You cannot fly. <laughs> it's not just the belief. It's the principle. It's, the, it's alignment. What, jo- what he's saying to Joshua, obey the law. Don't turn lef- left or turn right. There's a blueprint, and here's the, the, here's the secret here. There's a blueprint that God has put in place that carries us through life. And our job to implement his promises is to find the blueprint and understand the blueprint and live the blueprint. He unpacks it in verses 8 and 9. He says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it on, on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, there's an if and then, you will be prosperous, and here's the, 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 the word that, that triggers us, And successful, actually both of them. Prosperity gospel, prosperous, and successful. It's not a prosperity gospel. It's a promise. Prosperity is human flourishing. You'll be prosperous in all kinds of ways, and you'll be successful. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? He repeats it a third time. Chazak vimets. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. okay. So this is what stands in our way normally when we, when we read the Old Testament, is when we talk about the law, we sort of they lose us because, you know, the law is over, it's the Old Testament, you know, all of that stuff, right? Jesus is our law. But Jesus himself, we started this whole series by Jesus saying, I, d- I didn't come to abolish the law, but to f- what? Fulfill the law. It's a completion, not a cancellation. And when we think about the law, we think about this heavy-handed sort of cruel... Human leadership sort of thing, right? We forget that this is God, the creator of the universe, who created a blueprint for the universe that we're talking about. So and when so when in Joshua 8 it says the law, the word that is used is the Torah. It's the first five books of the Bible that was that were given and written most most likely by Moses, right? And it's the blueprint for success is that God in, those, in, in, in his writings described for us how the world really works. It's the natural, all the way, f- natural meaning Genesis 1 describes the beginning of time, space, and matter in one verse. It's mind-blowing. All the way to the moral law. And he's describing to us, this is how this is built. If, if you want to, you know, we live in Austin. It's a tech place, right? A tech way to say it is that, that God coded the universe. He coded the universe. There's infinite numbers of code where there's an if and a then, right? And that's what he says that. Then you will be. If you do this then success. If you do this, then prosperity. The reason I'm landing on this for you is to to point out something that is very, very prevalent in modern Christianity. In the Jewish faith, and this is, I mean in the Jewish faith, I mean the the faith of Jesus, not just the, the faith of Moses. Practice is what faith is in churchianity. In churchianity, faith is belief. If you just believe, if you just touch the screen, if you invite people, uh, Jesus, into your heart. The spirit was moving. There was an anointed time. There's all kinds of terminology that have nothing to do with implementing the code of the universe in your life. Nothing to do. It's completely divorced. And part of the trauma they've experienced, part of the even reason why we de- reconstruct our faith is because we become so disillusioned with this. Because, why? Because it does not work. It's never meant to work. It's not coded to work. It's a lie. Christianity is a lie. Christianity, what Jesus believed is, Hear the words that I say and put them into practice and you will build your life on a rock. Yeshua was saying the same exact thing, right? Practice in the first century, believers, is faith to, mo- to modern Christianity. Practice. And practice is not easy, but there's an upside. I'll tell you that in a, in a second. And, I, you know, I think one of the things that we find in the Jewish faith that we can gleam that we have lost in Christianity is that there's an emphasis on practice. And the belief is this is that, if you practice, it might be boring, it might be repetitive, it might not even feel like this is real, it even might not feel authentic, right? I don't feel like I'm in the church today, sorry you have to go, you're the preacher. <laughs> you might not feel authentic, so your faith may, may ebb and flow, but your practice is the thing that keeps your faith steady, and your faith comes back because you practice. It's called conviction. You do it because the Bible tells you to do it, not because you feel like it. Until every once in a while, there's a breakthrough. Right? Exhibit A, the context of this whole scripture of of Joshua coming into the promised land is because Exodus 1.0 failed. Why? Why? I mean, think about this, Israel saw miracles, plagues, a nation that had slaved them, let them go, not only did they let them go, they gave them their gold, think about that, hey, not only are you free now, but here's all of our riches, and then they go, they go through the, the, the sea parts, how freaky is that? and saves them for an army that is superior by far. I mean, the whole thing is amazing. And then they reach the very boundary of this, of this milk and honey promised land, the thing that they craved, and they go, yeah, it's too hard. And God says, I'm with you. You're going to do all of this stuff. And they sent 12 guys, 10 guys come in Negative. Well, and and they basically trumped the two guys who were faithful, and Joshua was one of them. Joshua and Caleb, right? Case in point, right? They did not practice. They did not implement. Now, here I want to sort of divert just for one moment to to help us understand how game changing this this one idea is. In Exodus twenty four seven. Um, they, you know, I'm not going to go there, but there's a word. And, and, this, and the context is that Moses comes down with the, with the tablets of the law and he basically gives the people of Israel the law and they respond with this word combination. I'm going to read it because I'm going to butcher it. Um, I think I butchered it, but it's close. And basically what it, what it says that, what it means is we will do and we will hear. We will do and we will hear. So the the law is given to to the Israelites and they say we will do and we will hear, which is a weird way to answer. So weird that the Anglicized version in, in the NIV is we will do and we will obey. They're trying to make it more relatable, basically, like it doesn't make any sense. But there's Jewish commentary about this word, this word combination. And what they basically say is that you understand by doing it was deep in the culture where you understand by doing you don't have to intellectually grab your mind around something to understand you have to do to understand and churchianity is the opposite of that you think about it you sing about it it, you, you you try to fit it into your culture into your preferences into your truth and you expect to experience this and you will not and what they say is this we will do, and then we will hear. It will sink in. It will penetrate into our hearts. It will make us whole, right? Okay, so let's go through the formula. It was there in the, in the last Joshua verse, and I'm going I'm to sort of unpack this for you. Here's the way. You want to you know the how-to, how you change from Christianity to Christianity? The Torah, which basically means the promises and the teachings of God, that's the translation, needs to be always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. And be careful to do everything in it. To experience the promises of God, you need to act on the promises of God. Always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do everything written in it what's the obstacle it takes effort it takes focus it takes quite frankly obsession right obsession of what in the word of god not in the experience of fellowship this is a byproduct love of the of the followers of jesus that's a byproduct the joy of worshiping together with a great band in a great place with ac that's a byproduct that's a byproduct you know church picnics that's a byproduct Social interaction, that's a byproduct. All of those things are byproducts. The core is the teaching of the law, the teaching of truth, the code of the universe, as it is contained in the Bible. Right? And it's always on your lips. And why why do they say the lips? It's because when you speak, you hear it. That's Jewish wisdom as well. So let me ask you this what was the last time you were so excited about the bible that you talk to people about it outside and inside the church i don't care it's overflowing it's like have you heard this amazing like i just i'm blown away if that's not true you need to you need to consider this this formula this is a blueprint for success and sometimes what you do is you might not be excited but you read it anyway that is the practice. You stick to the practice, and it's always on your lips. That's why we have church. That's how we have small group. Why? Because then we have to talk about it and hear about it, right? You can live as a pagan. Uh, Monday to sa- uh, Saturday is going to hurt you tremendously, but you come in here, and I'm going to say something to you from Scripture, and maybe that will trigger an interest. It's a good thing. You might be uh, you might be struggling and enslaved by sin. But you have a small group and people are going to look you in the, eye, in the eye and say, how are you doing, actually? And hopefully you'll be able to say, not well. And here's what's going on. And can you help me and pray for me and disciple me? And can we speak about scripture? Can, can, can that be on, a, on my lips so we can discuss the pain point? And then the next step is meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it day and night is, you know how you fall in love? You fall in love, you, you meditate automatically. You know how to do this, by the way. You fall in love, you meditate on the person you fall in love with day and night. I promise you. You lose sleep over it. You, re- you rebuild your schedule, your wallet, your everything. I want your new obsession. It could be a hobby, it could be a job, it could be an education, right? Oh, you meditate. You know how to do that all right? You don't have to learn. But that's what you do with the Word of God. You meditate. You wrestle with it. It get, it can, if it's, it's boring, you don't feel a connection, you don't, you don't feel like it changes your life, you practice. That's why you meditate. You, are, you, you need to be okay with being bad at something long enough to get good at something. And then what happens is then you now understand the nuances. You see the word of God and you go, Oh. Oh. Now I can practice this. I see a new shiny, the, the, the rabbis called uh, the Torah a jewel with, I think it was like 77 faces. So you can turn it and it's infinite amount of beauty. Just turn it just a little bit and there's something new. Oh, right? To experience the promises of God, act on the, on the promises of God. There's a, it's just an amazing thing. Now, there's a love um how the world even if it has nothing to do with the bible rel- nothing to do with religion discovers the code of the universe do you love that like you can be a scientist and not believer unbeliever and you will discover something amazing that god did now if you looked in the bible hard enough you'll find it in the bible as well in 1987 uh, there was a marketing company called uh, whedon, and, uh, whedon and kennedy and they worked for nike they were doing a campaign for Nike and they had all these camp- several campaigns of different themes and they wanted to, commi- they wanted to sort of unify because it, it seemed a bit too um, ununified for them. So they were like throwing around and they proposed a slogan, and I will show you the slogan. That's the slogan, right? <laughs> they proposed that slogan and it took off. It's still, it's still going. Why? Because that's coded in the fabric of the universe. They just happened to discover it and leverage it for Nike. That's all it is, right? It's coded. Why, why how do I know it's coded? Because it resonated with people. What was, what, what was happening is that people s- were seeing all these ads of athletes and they were going, how come they can do it and I can't? That was the disconnect. All these beautiful people in slow motion, right? <laughs> and I'm looking at myself sitting on a couch, eating, eating Cheetos going, no. And what they did is they bridged the gap. They said, just do it. Just get off that couch, man. Implement, and you'll get there. And it just resonated and took off and it's still going. Isn't that amazing? The first interview they did in this campaign was with with an 80-year-old marathon runner who ran 17 miles a day. 17 miles a day, I can't run 17 miles a day. Not now, not ever, actually. <laughs> <laughs> think about it and going, no, it actually never happened in my life. But you see, it resonated because that's the code. How this is how God coded the universe. You implement, you practice, and that is the formula to success. I mean, it, you, w- once you see that one thing, you'll see it everywhere. You see it in seminars, you'll see in startup conferences, you'll see in, in entrepreneurial workshops all of them will say what fail forward just do it go for it stop thinking about it stop tweaking the code just launch all of them will say the exact same thing which was written in the bible thousands of years ago right so here's my question to you what's your what's a deep desire maybe an unrelented pain an an aspiration that just won't let go of your heart you know what is it for you? What's the one thing? Is there a one thing? I'm sure there's more than one thing. But can you, can you, in your mind, find that one thing? The pain point or an aspiration or something you just go, oh, I, I just don't, I don't know how to get there. Here's the, pa- here's the formula, the blueprint for success by Yeshua. It's this. You talk about it from the lens of scripture. Run it through scripture and talk about it. Think about it, you meditate on it day and night. And then you act upon what comes out on the other end. Right? If you want to fail at reconstructing your faith, which I'm sure all of us want to, here's what you do. Instead of the Torah, instead of the teaching of the law, you talk about my truth. I think about my truth and I act upon my truth. And that's what many people who are, who are saying they're reconstructing their faith are doing. They're not, they're not concerned with the truth of God. They don't have the authority of the Bible as, as the guiding light. Their truth is the guiding light, and they're using that lens to reconstruct their faith. The problem with that is that your truth, my truth, it's derived let me give you a, a news, news, news flash. You did not code the universe. You just didn't. It's bad for, m- but it's, you know, it sucks to be at me, right? I did not code the universe. And I have all kinds of truth swirling around my truth in my head and I need to get rid of it and replace it with true, with actually something that works, right? Um, I was watching, <laughs> as I said, you know, one of my, one of my big things, when I became a Christian, one of my big failures was you know relational problems and stuff like that and Deb and I have been married for many years and happily married, and we have kids to witness it and th- you know they, they know they know they they have standards that they cannot ignore right they 're like everything this is like an escapable torture for them now, right They get into a bad relationship they go yeah that's not that 's not how Mom and dad would do it uh it 's cool. I love it. I love to torture them from the inside like that, <laughs> you know. Uh, um, but the reason I tell you this is that there's, you know, I was the the world will will take their truth and try to implement this blueprint that doesn't work. And I'll give you an example. I was watching a TED talk the other day, and it was this lady who was a, 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 she has letters in front of her name. I think she was a PhD. She has a TV show and a practice, a counseling practice and she's talking about um, um, marriage and relationships, and she was like, you know, monogamy, clearly, scientifically, it's just not, you can see the stats, right? It doesn't work. It's a flawed design. She actually used this, the, the term flawed design. And she was doing a TED talk, okay, with millions of views. And she goes, monogamy is, is you know, no, 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 no. Uh, there's this other side of it is, you know, open marriage, in polyamory and people experimenting with that and stuff like that but statistically i don't know but we've discovered that most people do not like to share their 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 partners with other people and i don't know just i don't know you know she goes but here's my deal I've, i have my an answer she goes how about monogamish <laughs> <coughs> she's serious she's absolutely and 100 percent serious and she backs it up and she has some sort of PhD and a practice on a TV show. She has authority. And, and she describes monogamish as, okay, you can be married, you can be in a, in a faithful relationship, but you're allowed to flirt and entertain fantasies about other people. How do I know this is going to fail? Not because I don't respect her. She probably worked hard for her, her PhD and her, you know, in her TV show and everything, and people listen to her. The reason I know this is going to fail because I compare it to God's blueprint and it says clearly do not covet another's wife. That's why it doesn't work. And it will never work. And I don't care if you have five TED Talks, it's not going to work. Don't listen to that woman. Right? Here's the good news for us. If we... We really read the Bible, right? If we talk about it, that's why it says talk. It's not just this thinking about it. it, There's a social construct there. That's why we're in community, right? We talk about the Bible. And we we channel our our pains, our aspirations, our hurts, our trauma through scripture and try to make sense of it. We talk about it. And then we meditate on it day and night. We just obsess over it. You know, I'll give you a, a quick example. I'm like, why is, how do you meditate at night? You're asleep, right? I was, I was up at 4 o'clock in the morning today because I was so excited about something that I was talk about today, but a new thing that I couldn't even fit in the sermon. But I was so excited that I had to write it down or I couldn't sleep. Now I understand why meditating at night, how it works. It's an overflow of truth connecting with your heart, making sense of the world in a new way. You know how fun it is to wake up because you're too excited to sleep? Right? A little frustrating, but really mostly fun. <laughs> it's like, I, can, I have to write this thing down. This is gold, man. can't even preach it because I don't have time for it. But it's amazing, right? And if you act upon this truth, your faith will come after the acting. You have to do it. I can write uh, amazing ideas. If I run, write some things that I c- want to share with you at four o'clock in the morning, if I don't preach it, it goes away. If I want to start a new company and I don't start it, it goes away. If I want to reach out and, and, and change my marital status and, and I don't go to a, a, a c- uh, singles conference in, in Orlando. <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> Implement, baby. Singles conference, baby. <laughs> I met Deb at a singles co- at a, at a conference. Uh, uh. I believe in conferences. Just saying, just saying, Orlando's coming. Hundreds of singles. God, why can't I find a husband? <laughs> Have you said hi to a few single Christians? Maybe hundreds of them? Just saying, right? <laughs> and here's the cool thing. When you, when you live this thing out, when you, when you, it's not that you are just, it's not that you are just transformed. You are transformed, right? When you become a Christian, you, be, you are baptized, and still, the thing is, you're not like changed forever when you become uh, a Christian, otherwise you wouldn't struggle after you were a Christian. You struggle. You have growing to do, right? I struggle, I am an entrepreneur, I've been in the church for 25 years, I love business, and I've been healing from like communist ideology and literally grandpa in my brains stuff for uh, over probably a, close to two decades now. And last week I had a breakthrough after 20 years of understanding business from the biblical perspective that I didn't have before. It doesn't stop. It's a, it's a gift that g- keeps on giving, you know. And it just changes you from the inside. That is the formula for success. You just keep practicing it. Because it will give you gift after gift after gift, practice after practice, breakthrough after breakthrough, and it doesn't require that you just change. It's not like you're a Superman or Superwoman. What happens is you are aligning yourself with with the code that 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 created the universe, and the code is the is the law, the the nature of how things work carries you forward. So if you are in a in a in a successful marriage for example and you didn't have a successful marriage before you're not like this 10 times m- more better married man no you're one time aligned with god and that carries you You see the difference there you're not superman like i didn't fail at every relationship i had before i d- met deb and all of a sudden i'm married for you know 23 years an, ama- an amazing marriage because i'm 23 times better. I'm not 23 times better. I'm one time faithful to the principles of God and how God coded marriage. And I just keep trying at it, you know. And I don't do well all the time. But I I know where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hit that same spot. I know what it is. Uh, Brandon and Nicole just celebrated five years of marriage. Same story, right? <laughs> What's the transformation? They're awesome? They're awesome. Are they like, Five times more awesome? Not, not really. <laughs> they, just, they, just stuck, they just stuck to the blueprint. They just found the blueprint. That's, that's the good news. It, it's good news for us, right? Because you just find the blueprint, and you just stay with the blueprint, and you practice. It's on your lips, you meditate day and night, and you implement it. Lips, meditate day and night, implement it. And you'll be fine. Isn't that good news? And here's the thing that, that woke me up today. I'm gonna, one thing that I did include, is that what's the. what are we to do when we still fail? And we do. You know, in big ways, in, bad wa- in, in small ways. I can be rude to my wife. I can be exasperating to my kids. What are we to do? I know the blueprint, and I can still be rude to my wife and, <laughs> and exasperating to my kids. And here's the beauty. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we take communion every week. Because we need grace. Because the blood of Jesus covers all of that. And it bridges what is missing, what we can't accomplish through the law. Because we can't accomplish everything through the law. That's why we need Jesus. That's why every, every week we just take this bread and take this juice and we remind ourselves that even if we haven't performed to the best of our abilities, even if the blueprint didn't carry us all the way to success, Jesus will. That's a beautiful thought, right? So I want to leave you with one question as we meditate and contemplate and, and pray and take communion. What is the one thing you can address using the Yeshua blueprint? Choose one thing and see if you can go through these steps. Just take it through the Bible. Put it on your lips, what the scriptures say about what you're th- experiencing right now. Right? Meditate on. Just turn around. If it doesn't make sense, just keep at it. Practice and implement and see what happens because faith follows that, and that's the Yahshua way. Both the Joshua way and the Jesus way. Let's pray. <coughs>